This is the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. Today we're going to continue the conversation about transition points. This one is from 8th grade to 9th grade. So as they're finishing out their middle school career and thinking about starting their high school career, what are things that go on in the 8th grade classroom that helps them mature, that helps them continue this process of learning to be that that uh, teenager and starting to become that young adult. And so the things that are started in eighth grade that will help them transition into ninth grade and all the things that we do here. This interview is with Nicole Whitecotton. We'd like to welcome to the podcast Nicole Whitecotton. She teaches ELA, which uh, or humanities, I guess, for eighth grade, which would be a combination of history and English, writing, language, all of those kind of content yep. for our eighth grade works with uh, Dan DeMarcus, our science and math person for the eighth grade. They do a great job as a team of teachers. And we're continuing that conversation about um, transition points. And so there's a couple of transition points that happen with our eighth graders as they are finishing their middle school experience mm-hmm. and starting to think about that high school experience. And I know that you guys take that very uh, personal into heart yes. of helping yes. them through this time period mm-hmm. of life because They've gone from, we've, and we've talked about this on the podcast, the, the lower school idea of a lot of times it's a lot more important for the kids and how they interact and, and whether their teacher li- likes them, you know, and, and they're really building the relationship strongly with their teacher. The end of lower school, we start to see that transition from more concerned about relationships with my teachers to more concerned about relationships with my peers, and that really sets the tone for middle school, right? It's yeah, all it about social uh, yeah. interaction yeah. Um, and everything that's going on in their bodies and their brains Ooh. is heavily related to yes. that social interaction with peers mm-hmm. um, they still want to think their teachers like them um, and I think you guys do a great job of that with eighth grade and I think most of the eighth graders would say that you guys do like them um, and I think that yeah. you you and Dan both build strong relationships there um, but you don't you don't shy away from this idea of it the social interaction of of peer to peer with the students is is still a very important part of that and eighth grade is part of our middle school here at clayton bradley and so they're still part of council houses and 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 actually in reality in eighth grade they start to take on um, leadership roles in those council houses Mm -hmm. and so why don't you start with that of of they're coming from sixth and seventh grade that they've had four or two years with four teachers Mm -hmm. the same teachers yeah um, for their core content they're moving to eighth grade, which is still part of this middle school experience for them, but we know that there's things that start to happen in that eighth grade that, that we felt like the right decision was to give them two new teachers and start some new things with them. Yeah. And so when you and Dan are kind of planning those first things, and, and really probably it starts at the end of their seventh grade when you're starting to think about council house leaders and that sort of thing, but yes. kind of explain kind of that process to everybody that's listening so that they they kind of get that idea of what's happening at the beginning of eighth grade and then we'll kind of walk through what you guys do with eighth grade as part of that transition of of still celebrating eighth grade but also getting them ready for the next step in ninth grade yeah uh well we we really bring them in the very first week and talk to them about their leadership roles uh we want to help them remember what it was like coming in as a sixth grader so that they can have some perspective of how big and scary they are as eighth graders. But we also remind them of the brain research that 
Mr. D and I are very aware of and <laughs> that we are aware that about half the time they would be more comfortable throwing themselves on the floor and screaming when they're frustrated <laughs> rather than trying to think through something logically. Um, but we acknowledge that. We acknowledge that repeatedly with them, that we have done brain research here to understand that their brains are one of the most confusing places to live. Especially in middle school. Especially in middle <laughs> school. Um, but we also tell them that we are going to be holding them at a higher accountability in eighth grade. Uh, we are making it very clear to them from day one that we are preparing them for high school. And at our high school, uh, they're expected to advocate for themselves. They are expected to be um, self-motivated. Um, and so we start to do that, but we also want to still be the support that they need. We want them to know that we are here to um, remind them and all of that. So this is a, a week-long thing that we do. We call Who's Driving Your Car? Yeah. And we remind them that they can be the drivers of their car or they can let other people drive their car but if somebody else is driving your car it's far more likely to wreck um, <laughs> so um, for instance if they come to school and they're mad um, and they just spend the whole day mad at people um, in a bad mood cranky, cranky not engaging and stuff and it all boils down to mom yelled at me and took my phone before school that means mom is driving your car all day and she's yeah. not even here like right. she doesn't even know what you're up to and she's the one wrecking you with your friends your teachers and your schoolwork. but that's not mom's decision to fix it that's your decision to fix it and so we really yeah. remind them about being very active in their own success daily. Um, there is a big push for us to deal with it in this eighth grade. If we have a problem, let's deal with it. Yeah. If you have a social issue, let's deal with it. You do not have to be best friends with somebody to be a meaningful member of a community. Absolutely. And that respect is earned and given. And we call people out for being disrespectful just because they think it's funny. Because I think that in eighth grade, we do have to start to be very mindful of those academic conversations that they're going to be having that are hard to have in high school. Yeah. Um, and you do need to stand up for yourself. And when you have a reason to be passionate, you need to know how to do that respectfully. And so we, we start to really hone in on being honest with them about why it matters that you know how to approach your friends. Yeah approach people that aren't your friends and and how important it is to our community and sometimes it matters to them and sometimes they're not there yet but we work all year on it and at the end of the year I'm always amazed at the change that I see it's now, funny that at our upper school we we like to we like to to help our students be drivers I guess because yes. you know if you hear Mr. R talk uh, he talks a lot about when kids graduate that he wants them to be sa sailors and not stowaways. So we want them to be in control, apparently, uh, that, which is the, the goal, right? That they're in control of what they're doing. We've, and, and we talk about finding their voice. And that's really what you're, you're starting to set up for them in eighth grade. Because in high school, they are going to be given those opportunities mm -hmm. to express their, their thoughts, their opinions, mm -hmm. their, their ways of viewing the world. 
in a scholarly way. Yes. And so by eighth grade, they have learned enough that they do have those opinions. And, and for parents that are sitting out there of middle schoolers, you know that all of a sudden they get opinions, um, strong opinions, yes. that you go, where did this happen? Like, and, and, you know, my kid was younger. We could just enjoy life and have a good time. And they get to middle school, and all of a sudden they have all these feelings and emotions and opinions, which is very exciting because that's part of them becoming an adult. But when they start to learn that they have these opinions and, and feelings and emotions, it, that can be challenging, yeah. right? And and so it is. I mean, we're not calling out parents saying, well, you got in trouble in the car to ride over and, and got your phone <laughs> taken away. But in reality, that is kind of what happens because all of a sudden, you know, you you have this serious conversation about something that happened and and sometimes there's discipline that gets laid out right there. And, yeah. and that then affects, you know, the parent dropping yeah. the kid off, the kid walking into school, they're, they're carrying all this emotion in, which happens. That's life. Yeah. But we want the kid, we want our students, we want our kids, because there are kids too, we want them to understand that about themselves. It's not going to fix everything. But I always felt like that there was something hidden behind a veil when I was in middle school. Yeah. And I feel like that the more honest I am with middle schoolers, the better chance they have of making the right decisions sooner. I feel mm. like I wasn't making the right decisions for the right reasons until I was in my early 20s because I felt like everything was hidden behind this veil. Just act right. right. Well, what does that mean? Like, if I don't have a motive for acting right, yeah. and I can't, then I can't really identify what's right in every situation, especially those of us that are might be a little bit, a tiny bit neurodivergent. We might not have a clue what acting <laughs> right looks like. Right. So I feel like that being completely transparent with the kids and looking them in the face and saying, it's important to your community that you cover your mouth when you cough. Yeah. It's important to your community because it scares them that they will catch a virus. <laughs> if you cough or blow your nose in your hands and they watch you not wash your hands, you make them feel threatened and they no longer feel safe in their environment. Yeah. So this is not a laughing matter, even though you think it is right now. I am here being transparent with you that this causes stress in your community. Yeah. And you have control over that. Well, and recognizing your role in that, which is exactly. awesome. Exactly. Uh, you know, a, a friend of ours, both uh, of us have the same friend, Brad Bryant. He, he's commented more than once that emotions are real, but they're mm -hmm. not always right. Right. And so helping our kids understand that, like the emotions that you're feeling, those are real emotions. Mm -hmm. But it you have to now decide what to do with it. And so that question of like, how am I gonna act or how am I gonna react to this emotion now that, that is inside of me and helping kids through that. And, and eighth graders, I mean, you've got a classroom that could be everything from 12 year olds up to close to 15 year olds yes. or starting to turn 15. It's yes. all about that, you know, depending on when they started school, I mean, you could have at any time throughout the year, a 12 year old up through 14, sometimes close to that 15 if they're not in that, that ball game yet. And so that, that's a drastic difference in what's going on in the brain too. Mm -hmm. And, and they're learning things because of, you know, part of the, the development of they're starting to really get a good idea of what sarcasm is, right? Yes. Uh, and they start to play around with how to use it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you're using sarcasm, you offend somebody else, right? <laughs> Um, and I, so yeah, then when I'm offended, I have to decide how I'm going to react to yes. that. Yeah, like, how do I express this idea that I've been offended by what you said? Mm -hmm. And hopefully we can look at a way to have some discord um, 
back and forth where I can express that what you said really did offend me and why and help you understand that what you said had that effect on somebody without it just being a you're in trouble now because of what you said and, and possibly the kid not even understanding why that would be a thing. And that's that confusing veil of secrecy that I feel like adults for so long felt like an eighth grader couldn't understand. And I'm here to tell you, if you talk to them about it, they start to get it. And we have to start somewhere. Yeah. Now, some of them, not as much. Some of it, it's, you know, planting the seeds for later that will be watered, <laughs> I'm sure, here at CBA. Um, but I have two phrases that I say. One is, don't be an agent of chaos. Right. And the other one is, um, know your audience. And it's actually linked to my teaching. Uh, whenever we are learning about writing, knowing your audience is very important and i ask them before we start writing who's your audience for this are you writing this to your peers are you writing this to your teacher are you writing this to hypothetically be published Um, and because of that you then are going to change the way you present the material Mm. every single time and so a sarcastic joke to this friend might land perfectly but if you don't think before you say it and you deliver that to the wrong person that is a different audience and it will not land and it might offend and that's the nuances of joking and interacting in a community is knowing when to bite your tongue and knowing when to let it flow and so that's why i kind of we have all these phrases in eighth grade and it's so funny because the kids start repeating them back to me and it's great you know like we'll hear the kids hey who's driving your car right now and it's (laughs) really funny and and great and they're able to then categorize behaviors and identify them I think by identifying those behaviors, if you're calling a peer out and saying, who's driving your car, you are recognizing Mm. that that person is not acting authentically. They are acting based on emotion. Wow. And if they can identify that in somebody else, they're on a good path. Yeah. Because some people want to just react automatically. And when an eighth grader stops and says, even if it's with a laugh, who's driving your car? Oh my gosh. They're choosing to make a cute little joke instead of getting mad or taking it too far. That is a huge deal. And and one of the things I'm hearing you say, really, when we're talking about eighth grade, because of kind of where they are in their brain development and where they are in this academic journey, um, it's really going back to the lifelong guidelines and life skills. Yep. You know, there's a reason, and, and I know we get this question because, like, when we talk about lifelong guidelines and life skills, we, we talk about being trustworthy, being truthful, active listening, and then there's an interesting personal best and there's an interesting one in there that kind of takes a different slant because it's no put downs and we've talked about that at the upper school of like is that the right phrase that sort of thing but it goes back to the same conversation of whenever i whenever i say to you hey we're not going to give put downs here that's different than saying hey we're going to respect everybody in the room respect is kind of a side part of that no right. put downs but it's really kind of helping somebody see because in their brain they're they're kind of learning how to interact in the world and because of the stuff like social media um when you look at the stuff that people post on purpose to get a reaction like and that's and recognizing that's why they posted that's why they made the video or that's why they typed what they did you know into whatever social media they are or whatever picture they posted in instagram or mm-hmm. whatever it's a lot of times it's with intent to get a reaction well part of that with intent to get a reaction is i'm going to 
purposefully put someone down or I'm going to purposely put a culture down even Mm -hmm. or an idea down. And so recognizing that, like, what's the appropriate time and place as I'm learning this? Because sometimes we just glorify that through social media, right? They get they get all of the reactions, they get all the followers, they get and in reality as they grow up, I mean, there's people that's how they get paid to cause a, a ruckus. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like that's I've I've listened even to some guys talking about growing their uh, kind of growing their brand and that sort of thing, which a lot of these guys do have this uh, social media presence as part of their brand. And I mean they'll say like they pay for their posts to go like 80% to people that they think would agree with them mm-hmm. and purposefully 20% that they think won't agree with them just so they can get some back and forth because it pu- it pushes their their yep. their post the more conversation there is you know and mm-hmm. so it, and it, and they they want in essence which is sad that we're being manipulated like this <laughs> but they want this attack mentality to Mm -hmm. happen on their post Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden what happens then it gets shared and it gets pushed and it gets out there right and they're the ones that get the result of it they're the ones that get the the uh, positive so to speak and so in eighth grade that's part of like a lot of times these kids are starting to really interact with that world in a real way yeah um, and, and every parent has to figure that out with their middle schooler. How much am I going to be okay with them in the social media context? They probably at this point have a phone, right? Mm-hmm. You guys, you know that, right? Oh, I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a whole thing in eighth grade is how to interact mm-hmm. with our phones. Yeah. Uh, but part of that having a phone means that they're starting to have access to, to things in a real way in the larger world. Yeah. And so you guys starting the year talking about who's driving your car are Mm -hmm. you on road behavior or off-road behavior right now Um, how are you interacting with others how are you finding your voice how are you recognizing emotion how are you recognizing what that emotion is to you I mean that that has so much power and it fits that idea that your whole theme for eighth grade Mm -hmm. is 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 it tradition now or legacy it's so the whole the the year long theme is tradition. Okay. Our concept in fourth quarter is legacy. Legacy. So you and build the legacy. We build up through the year to legacy. Yeah. Um, so we started with first quarter, and and we're talking about you guys really taking that time, which all of our teachers take time in that first couple weeks to build relationships and all that. And so mm-hmm. these are things that you're starting to lay the foundation for. Yeah. Which go right in line with, like I said, our lifelong guidelines of what we're hoping kids get as they continue their progress through CBA. Um, and then you guys get to a, a some some fun experiences for eighth grade that's yeah. that's unique to eighth grade that really up until this point they've not gotten to experience yeah. as a student at CBA. Yeah, we take a week long trip to Virginia together. Yeah, yeah, we come away from that um, changed as a community. It is, it is a wonderful transition trip because I, I really try to take as few parents as possible. And um, I encourage the parents to talk to them about uh, their budget. Uh, they have to, whenever we eat at a restaurant, they have to tip. We teach them how to tip before we go. That's awesome. We teach them um, how to interact with the servers, um, literally role play activities when we talk about Um, how to interact with servers because so often I know with my own middle schoolers when my girls were in middle school we just the most painless way to deal with kids a lot of times is to let them stay on their phone and just order for them and this they just kind of survive the experience instead of engage in the experience of going out and we really want them to represent CBA well and I have had I have I have had 
every time I call a restaurant back to say, hey, I'm bringing my group back, they're like, okay, great, let's make the reservation. They're always happy to see CBA because we really have an amazing group of kids. I had 40 kids, 40 some odd kids last year. Oh, wow. And in the Olive Garden, and we literally take up half their restaurant when right. we come in. And they did amazing. They sit, they, they interact, they have social time, but they act right and they tip and our, those servers walk away going, can't wait for them to come back next year, you know? And so I, I enjoy that part of it, but we also learn together. We also learn how to um, interact when we're sick and when we're tired because you can't take 40 to 60 people on a trip without somebody getting sick um, and people don't sleep well and people party too hard. And we are learning a lot of, of ways to interact in uncomfortable situations while also representing yourself yeah. to the world. Um, and when we come back, those relationships have built. And what I have seen very often is that that first quarter, especially this year, this first quarter, the eighth grade felt very divided as though it was us versus them mentality of different mm. groups of friends. Yeah. And we also put, let's sprinkle in some new kids right. to add to that, <laughs> you know? And now I'm looking at my at my group in this fourth quarter. Not only do I see people interacting in a healthy way that we're not in the same friend group at all, but I also see that the people that really don't care about engaging socially with other groups are engaging in healthy ways academically. Right. And that's profound. Just because you're not going to call somebody on the weekend doesn't mean you don't have a healthy academic relationship, which translates to professional, right? Absolutely. And so that's what we're trying to get them to. We have very strong emotions in middle school. And in sixth and seventh grade, they're teaching, they're learning how to coexist, right? And we want to continue that in eighth grade, but we also now want to add that level of not just coexist, but interact absolutely, um, and benefit from each other and learn the difference between social and professional and be able to be healthy in that. So that transition, while we are teaching them to be leaders of the sixth and seventh graders through council houses, we are also trying to get them to start owning the fact that they're in charge of how their high school experience is going to go and that they are moving up as a cohort. Um, they are going to be moving as a cohort into a larger pool of kids that they're going to have to now learn how to interact with them. Yeah. And I know that's one of the things as I've watched my own kids go through this process of, of having that conversation with an eighth grader where it starts to change of, Hey, you know, I'm still seeing a progress report. I noticed a score in here. That's not, not your typical score and having that conversation in a way that, that, my eighth grader is coming back saying, I've already spoken to the teacher. I've already emailed the teacher. I've already, they're starting to own that. Mm-hmm. And it's not just mom and dad driving because right. you know that, which it's still, we want our parents to still be an active member of that conversation and an active member of that community. But it is that transition where they have to start owning that. And we start mm-hmm. that in sixth and seventh grade. We want them to start owning that. And, and we talked about that in the last podcast even, but it's, it really starts to take, shape because when they get into ninth grade we want them to be able to advocate for themselves because they get to start choosing things like um, the workshop times where they're having to decide now sometimes those workshops are decided for them but other times they're having to decide what am i really needing to take time Mm -hmm. to do right now 
And so you guys are starting to get them ready for that. And I've seen that um, in a lot of ways. And so we get into third and fourth quarter. That's really a lot of the time that, that kids start to think about that transition into ninth grade. Um, and what are some things that you guys do with them through the guidance counselor, through some of the teachers at the high school level? Um, and we haven't even talked about trail mix, which is part of the yeah. the interaction with the high school. So it's not like they've not interacted with high school True. throughout yeah. their whole middle school experience. Right. Um, but what do you guys start to do either in class or even outside of, of what would be considered content that you're working on with them to start getting them ready for that ninth grade experience? So at the upper school, we do trail bakes instead of bobcat, bobcat buddies, and they interact. The council houses interact with advisories, so they do get to interact directly with high schoolers. We pair them up with high schoolers. Um, we also... At the end of the year, uh, Miss Farmer schedules a shadow day, and we pair up the current eighth graders with ninth and tenth graders to follow them in a the morning, the same way a new student would if they were coming into CBA yeah. fresh. And they get to ask questions. They have a Q and A session, um, and they kind of get the vibes of what a class is like in the high school. Um, we also invite them to come and um, on on Ignite night, they come and they get to interact with the high school teachers and ask them questions in a social setting. Yeah. Um, another thing that we do behind the scenes is that Mr. D and I meet with high school teachers and we talk to them about how their year went with the ninth graders. Um, and get feedback. So at the end, so I last week I met with Mr. Hussey and we talked curriculum. He talked about changes that he's making to his curriculum for this coming up year. I talked to him about things I did this year and then we we reflect on the things that he encountered with the current ninth graders. So the current ninth graders, um, they had these strengths, they had these weaknesses. What are things that you can do to help me out with these weaknesses? What are things that I am doing in my curriculum that I'm changing because I'm noticing these things about the kids? And all of those conversations then, I go in and my curriculum evolves year to year. Yeah. And I try to feed into, in a gentle slope, into <laughs> what will be expected of him because high school humanities is very different here than it is anywhere else. You will never see a factoid lesson in high school. I mean, it's all critical thinking. It's yeah. all improving your writing. It's all about expressing yourself because we have the factoids available to us. Yeah. Like who needs to know a timeline of dates? But you do need to know progression of events and you need to be able to think critically about that and compare it to current progression of events. Absolutely. And being be, those skills and they are skills. They are not just big brain things. These are skills that are developed. Have to start in eighth grade so that the high school teachers don't feel like they're beating their head on a wall when they try to have a group discussion. Right. Um, so we do communicate, and I know that Mr. D meets with the math department and the science department, but I know that he, he teaches I am one. Right. But then... The high school I am one teacher teaches it again to students that need it twice because some kids need to strengthen their math skills before they jump into the big stuff. And so all of that communication, Mr. D talks about last year's kids. Did I put them in the right class? What were some strengths? What were some weaknesses? How can I get my curriculum to meet up with your curriculum better? And all that 
direct communication and Mr. D and I having that close relationship with the high school teachers that we really do really improves our academic component and those transitions. And so when it comes time to retake or reassess in something big like a math standard, Mr. D follows the methods very closely to the way that the high school math teachers do it. Yeah. And that really, that is such good scaffolding because those math grades, as much as we hate to talk about grades mattering, (laughs) we really want comprehension and mastery. But the grades that we give in high school affect them through their college career. So by giving them that kind of like jumping off point, a trampoline, if you will, in eighth grade of less important grades, because honestly, in eighth grade, they wash right if you've passed you've passed right those grades do not matter as much i'm sorry parents they really don't <laughs> but because we are fully aware that as much as we want mastery and not as much focus on numbers whenever we send them to high school we want them to have the best possible opportunities to get those high scores on their act on their standards so that they have the opportunity to get as much money as possible for right. college you know, if they're wanting to go to college, they're going to need to be able to pay for it, yeah. right? And and we hope that they get as many scholarship yeah. offers and, mm-hmm. and things that help them uh, pay as little as possible yes. out of their own pocket. And, and you know what that's like as well. And there are so many other things that we could discuss in mm-hmm. this from what you were talking about of, of that mastery application piece. That really is where that starts to shine in, in, in our program mm-hmm. because we are teaching a lot of skills um, – up through elementary and middle school that when they get to high school it becomes that application piece of how can you put all this together yeah. you, you've been taught the these things you've been taught the the processes you've been we've slowly built this foundation and and in high school is where they start to really put that together to where it matters you mm-hmm. know and I do look at you know I've, I've built my own uh, I didn't personally build my own house I was involved in the building of my right. own house uh, in a lot of selections and stuff but I watched it go from the ground up and you know, a lot of, of what happens before the house is built will say whether the house stands, right? Mm-hmm. But when do you really start to see a house? It's whenever the foundation is done, and, and the foundation better be good at that point. When you start to actually see the walls go in and the roof come on and, and all of that, to where that's what a lot of people look at as like, oh, I'm building a house, obviously. But if they didn't do all that foundation work right, yeah. Then that house is not going to stand, and so our lower school and elementary, our lower school and, and middle is is doing a lot of work on foundation. That sometimes when you go by, it's like, what are they even doing today? Right. It's foundational, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of, of still mastery that's happening there. But that high school experience that that is the culminating event of our whole process. Yeah. When we talk about a, a three year old coming into CBA, it's to get them to graduate in 13, 14, 15 years, whatever it is down the road. And so that's that high school mastery point is is a huge element of that. Um, and to hear what you guys are doing in eighth grade, to kind of start that of like, you've got to know your voice at this point. You've got to be able to to recognize your impact to the, the, the community and, and be able to express yourself in a way that that doesn't intentionally harm someone mm-hmm. and recognizing when you do harm someone you need to be a part of of, of the solution of that you need yeah. to be a part of that conversation to say what was intended here and, and what maybe happened that I didn't realize and owning that and learning from that and growing from that so that hopefully you're not making the same mistake over and over and over again yeah. 
Um, and so there's a huge part of this conversation that we could continue on for a lot longer on here. Yeah. Um, the, we're going to transition from this to a high school discussion where they'll be looking at the other side of this then from eighth grade to ninth grade of, of what happens to these ninth graders and then beyond uh, for their high school experience. So thank you so much for sitting down and Absolutely. talking through that. Um, like I said, there's so many other things that we could say and, and questions that we could ask, but uh, I want to be valuable of your time and the person that's listening's time as well. So thank you so much for sitting down and uh, exciting to see what's going to happen with these eighth graders that go to ninth grade. Mm-hmm. This has been the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. If you'd like to find out more about CBA, you can find us on the website, www.claytonbradleyacademy.org. You can also find us on social media sites at CBA STEM or at Clayton Bradley Academy. We hope you have a wonderful day.